And here we go. Hour number two of Overtime Live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios. William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown here with you on a Monday night. Just about 30 minutes now away from the college football playoff national championship game between Michigan and Washington and Houston. Uh, Very exciting game. We had a great playoff, really. Uh, Two great semifinal games, Mm -hmm. both down to the wire. I think it's the first time that both games have come down to the last play. Now, granted, Texas really should not have had a chance to be in that game, um, you know, due to some poor coaching decisions. But anyway, it was awesome. Both great games. And I'm hoping that the national championship game is as good as that, but with Michigan winning by more than five points, of course. Yep. And, um, yeah, so, um, guys, let's go around the table real quick. Um, what is the key to the game for each team? We'll begin with Washington, and I'll go ahead and do mine first, and we'll go around. Um, to me, Washington has got to do what they've done all season long, and that's been playing to Michael Penix's strengths. Michael Penix has elite ball placement downfield throws or on downfield throws, and that has been their DNA all season long. Finding guys like Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, and McMillan, all those guys making big plays just sheerly off of Penix's just beautiful football that he throws mm-hmm. and the placement on those throws down the field. And if they're able to get those big chunk plays down the field against a Michigan team that really hasn't had to face that yet this season, because Penn State really didn't throw the ball down the field that well because they fr- quite frankly can't. Um, Ohio State couldn't really do that with uh, McCord. And Alabama really didn't have any big downfield throws either. So this is a really a different team than Michigan is used to playing against this season. And uh, to me, if Washington continues to get those big plays down the field and most importantly gives Michael Penix time to throw like they had in that Texas game, I mean, it felt like he was out there for nine seconds every time. And he was allowing, or they were allowing, you know, the receivers to go off their initial routes and just run back to the ball, still picking up first downs off those plays. So, uh, to me, Washington has got to do what they've done all season long, and that's focus and play through their quarterback strengths, and that's Michael Penix's elite ball placement and great poise and great throws down the field. Um, so that's my my key for Washington. Jace, what's yours? Uh, kind of like off off of what you were saying, they really need to corral that D-line and all those pass rushers and really allow all those receivers that they've got in Penix Give them time to make plays because, I mean, you're not going to get those, like, short plays. I mean, Michigan's going to be all over the field up short. Like you said, not to – really didn't see any deep balls during that Bama game. Yeah. And Michigan really stopped that. And Michigan was in the backfield on Milrow all all night long, it felt like. And whenever Bama was able to make the most of it – make the most of their plays was when Milrow was taking the ball himself – Sometimes designed, sometimes not, just spur-of-the-moment things. But, I mean, if you if you give Penix time to get it out to O'Dunes, man, that dude's got another level. Gosh, and yeah. <laughs> it could end up being bad. But, if, if I mean, again, it's just if they can block up front. Yeah. Dawson, what did you say? Well, I had all, all this stuff prepared about Penix, so I'll just go ahead and echo <laughs> I, you no, all. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, get Penix going was the three words I wrote down. Yeah. It's the shortest version of it. 
if they're going to beat that Michigan defense, Michael Penix has to have, I think, a better effort than he did against Texas, and that's yeah. going to be really hard to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, 28, uh, 29 for 38 for 430 and two touchdowns, that's I mean, one of the most impressive performances we've seen all season for sure. He was hitting all of his downfield yeah. throws. Uh, but I think he has to take it to another level against uh, an admittedly better Michigan defense. This is a very good defensive front yeah. that he's going to be looking at. Um, he also is good at utilizing his receivers. I mean, you mentioned three of them. He actually targeted seven different receivers yeah. in that semifinal game against Texas. So I think it'll be a, a huge thing if he can target all of his guys. I think they'll be successful as well. But Penix has to lead them there. He has to be that guy again for the second game in a row. And before we talk about Michigan real quick, uh, just let's Penix, man, what a special talent he is. And, you know, this is his sixth year of college football, bounced around from Indiana, you know, had the two ACL injury, and then comes back another year for Washington. What a story he's been, a guy that was, I'll say it, quietly once committed to Tennessee um, but what a, what a year for him and Washington's been fun to watch all season uh, now let's move on to Michigan and the key for Michigan to me has got to be the defensive side of the ball and applying pressure to Penix in that Rose Bowl game against Alabama Alabama looked out of sorts in that first half because Milrow had all sorts of pressure coming at him five sacks and held Milrow to 53 yards in that first half now as we mentioned earlier, Nick Saban made those adjustments. But in that first half, Alabama looked like it was kind of uh, over their skis a little bit because they didn't know what to do with all that Michigan pressure. And heading into that Bama game, they'd only allowed 129 yards of uh, scrambling yards this season, which is one of the best numbers in the country. And Penix isn't necessarily a scrambler, but he does have a really good job of pocket awareness and moving around in the pocket to make that um, you know, downfield throw or just the right play down the field throwing the ball. So to me, it's got to be Michigan applying pressure on Penix, who's had an incredible season we just talked about. Um, it's got to be the pressure for me. I have two, and they're hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, it's limit mistakes from yourself and also force mistakes by Washington. Mm. For limit mistakes – uh, the muffed punts mm. almost came back to bite them in that game against Alabama. I mean, Alabama had a, a golden opportunity to pull away in that game. Yes. Michigan's defense kept them in it, got some pressure on Milrow, and was able to keep J.J. McCarthy and the offense in the, in the game. Mm-hmm. You cannot make those mistakes a second game in a row. No. You just can't. You can't afford to do it. Maybe you get lucky once. You, you can't afford to, to have that happen twice, but then you also have to force mistakes. You have to force turnovers. The only reason Michigan sends that game to overtime is Milrow fumbles yeah. on that yeah. drive inside the, the wash, or excuse me, the Michigan 40, yeah. they were probably going to score on that drive to put the game away. Very they well were going to put it, put it mm. two scores. So if you can force mistakes like that, you got an opportunity to capitalize. Jason. Yeah. Uh, I think a big one, kind of, it's kind of been their thing all year, you know, get Blake Corum going early and often. I mean, Bama really kept him at ease for most of it. I mean, he ended with 83 rush yards. Most of that came off of that last touchdown. Sure. He had like 17 yards, 18 yeah. yards, something off of that. So. Before that, under four yards a carry, he wasn't really making that big of a dent besides, you know, the receptions that he's been getting. He only had two in that Bama game. So, uh, especially against a Washington team, like you said, not that great on rush defense. I mean, on average this year, they're averaging over – giving up over 400 yards of offense. Yeah. And so, if if Corum can get going, get him a good 120, 125, 30 yards – I mean, it's going to be really tough for Washington, uh, especially with that mismatch. And, again, you really don't want to get in a shootout with Washington. No. Again, they have the dogs to take it over. Not at all. And, Dawson, you talk about that Rose Bowl game and their special teams. Uh, For a majority of that game, it looked like they were trying to reenact a Looney Tunes skit with uh, how bad they were on special teams. You had the, the muff putt to begin the game. 
And then you had, you know, letting the ball go inside the the seven yard line, or, or yeah, taking it out from the seven yard line, letting it bounce from the twenty five on punts. And then at the very end of the game, when Michigan could have won it in regulation, you muff it again. So you cannot have those type of mistakes in a championship game. And I'm sure that's been something that they've polished up on all week. They know they cannot have those big mistakes again. So um, that in itself is a huge thing that um, hasn't really been talked about too much hanging into this game, more so focusing on the defensive and offensive matchups. But special teams, that's what loses you a game. Um, And especially, you know, you talk about Milrow fumbling it in that game. Michigan had an opportunity to cut it a little bit closer with a field goal, and it missed. So you cannot have the opportunity, especially against a Washington team, that they can put up points in a hurry. You cannot squander points and possessions through turnovers and special teams mishaps. So um, then you talk about Corum. Mm. If you're a betting man, he's minus a thousand to score a touchdown tonight. So I'm not taking that. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah. It, now look, yeah, <laughs> some people with some bigger uh, paychecks might you know get on that, right. but we uh we'll stay away from that. I just thought I saw that earlier, um, courtesy of ESPN Bet. Great for them. Um, all right, let's head to the phones real quick. We got Carson on the line. What up, Carson? Hey, yeah, I'm uh, I'm calling in. I'm just a, a lifelong Jags fan, and uh, you know we were eight and three at one point, and just kind of collapsed all year, and you know lost yesterday in the way we did. Uh, I just got my questions about the the quarterback and kind of head coach and the future of this team. Sure. Uh, well, Carson, answer your question, and as a Jags fan, you should know. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is your guy. And Doug Peterson is going to be your guy. But the guys around them is what needs to change. Um, Press Taylor, offensive coordinator um, slash play caller, did a really poor job this season, um, especially in that game on Sunday. Um, You know, third and goal from the one-yard line, and you decide to run a rollout with uh, Tank Bigsby as one of your main uh, receivers. Uh, That doesn't work. And the problem with the Jags all season long was their run game was absent. And last year they were really good at it, but this year it's been totally taken out. And that makes Trevor Lawrence the sole responsible man offensively. And I don't think he's there yet to be that big playmaker like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen, guys that can win games more ways than just throwing it. And uh, Lawrence isn't there yet, but that's not necessarily his fault. Um, His offensive line did not do a great job this season. He was the highest-pressured quarterback of any quarterback in the NFL, 2.2 seconds per throw before getting pressured. That's not going to work. And he was top 12 in the amount of times he was hit, amount of times he was hurried. That's not going to work either. So you got to start on the offensive line. Carson, you should know better than anyone as a Jaguars fan that uh, you've got to be – uh, you've got to have an offensive line that's capable to help your quarterback. And then defensively, you totally got to rework things. Too many, too many times where there was miscommunication, too many times where you're missing tackles. Uh, this is a really uh, kind of look-in-the-mirror offseason for the Jaguars, Carson. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all you said and stuff, but just you know, given the situation yesterday against a, a team that you're much better than and the Titans in the game to go to the playoffs, it just kind of worries me that, you know, a quarterback couldn't find a way to win that game. I mean, you know, when you speak of, you know, top quarterbacks, you know, they're all going to win those kind of games against the team that's, uh, you know, not as good as you. And I just I kind of worry that Trevor, you know, he struggled. He threw a really bad interception. I just – I don't know if he's the guy yet. Um, maybe he be- becomes the guy, but right now uh, I-, I definitely have my questions about him. 
Yeah, well, look, I think also the problem yesterday was the defense didn't held, you know, hold their end of the bargain. It kind of reminded me of the Cowboys 49ers game last year. You know, the defense for the Cowboys held their own, but it was Dak Prescott's turnover problem and not holding their end of the bargain offensively. So you kind of saw the same thing yesterday. One side was not holding up their end of the bargain, and uh, it, it put a lot of pressure on the Jaguars kind of have to play catch-up, and that's not something they've been really good at this season. Um, so, you know, allowing the Titans put 28 points in a – uh, last game of the season where they're trying to play for a, a draft spot uh, is unacceptable. And 21 points in the first half that they allowed is unacceptable as well. Very well could have been more if the Titans didn't drop that punt. You know, the, you know the, I guess muffed – I don't even how you, no. know how you could say that. I guess uh, the, the punter dropped the punt. Yeah, screwed uh, it up. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll say it like that. But very well could have been more points in that first half. So um, I thought the defense put the Jaguars at a disadvantage and um, – You know, they had to play catch up in that second half and uh, Lawrence made a couple big plays, but also missed on a couple. And that's just something he's got to get better at. And he understands that as well as he talked about today in his, uh, you know, postseason interview is, you know, I've got to fix my turnovers and I've got to be better. You know, uh, I think he understands that. I think the Jaguars will be just fine with Lawrence as their quarterback. Now, my last question, what do you think, uh, you know, because I think Trevor is probably a a B minus C plus quarterback. What what's the way to elevate him to uh you know more of that A tier where he should belong with you know given coming out of college he was this highly touted prospect and stuff and you know we're, we haven't really seen that through three years. What's uh what's the next step this offseason for the, the Jags to help him out on that? Well, I don't know what your grading system is, but a C plus is uh, a little unfair. I don't know if I'd like you as a teacher, but. Um, to me, you got to start off on the offensive line. Uh, the center position is one of the most important parts. We talked about that earlier, guys, in our segment with Cooper Mays returning. That's your center. That's your guy closest to the quarterback. Uh, Jaguars have to get another guy through the uh, through the draft because uh, what's there is not working and did not work on Sunday. And um, so you've got to get some guys on the offensive line that can a protect your quarterback, and you got to get a more consistent balance of receivers. They. Uh, you know, had a lot of injuries throughout the year to guys like Christian Kirk. Zay Jones was in and out of the lineup, and you had guys like Elijah Cooks, who's an undrafted rookie from San uh, San Jose State coming in, and a guy in Parker Washington who's really there uh, because he's supposed to be a, a punt and kick returner. So you're kind of having to throw guys in due to injury, and I think you just have to get a couple more playmakers, um, guys that are more reliable and um, guys that are gonna be, aren't going to be injured for a majority of the season. But I think that's just what the NFL is. You know, we've seen so many players this year, so many key players uh, miss time this year due to injury, and that's just the life of football. Um, but I think for the Jaguars and for Lawrence to have a better situation, you've got to start on the offensive line, and you've got to get a couple more reliable receivers, and, and guys aren't going to drop passes, which the Jaguars struggle with early in the year. I appreciate it, Pat. Thank you. Thank you, Carson, for the call. I hope the Jaguars uh, do better for you next season. Um, I Y'all think he was a Jaguars fan? Doesn't sound like it. I mean, he sounded a little negative, but I mean, yeah. I mean, we're in Titans kind of. I'm not a Titans fan, but I yeah. mean, everybody listening is likely a Titans fan, so I mean, they, they probably felt pretty good hearing that. You know, might have been a, a Jaguars prank call. I don't know. C plus. That was a little. That was a little harsh. That was a little. It's harsh. a little bit low for me personally. C plus. When I think of C plus quarterback, I think of like Daniel Jones. Yeah. And, yeah. And, maybe and, maybe lower for that, Daniel that, Jones. That, yeah, at that. That's probably too high. <laughs> you know, <itself>. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a B. B plus for De- for Jones? No, 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 no. Oh, for okay, Lawrence, okay, for Lawrence. Right, so, oh, but no, okay. no, no. Danny Dimes is not about that. Yeah, I, I look. Uh, I I I'd probably say a, a B minus season for him. Mm. Um, uh, for Lawrence, that is not Daniel Jones. Um, 
to me, I think with everything I just told Jags fan Carson, um, I, I just think offensive line is so key. And that's why, you know, teams like the Chiefs go out and spend big money for Jawan Taylor um, and, and for, you know, to help out Mahomes. I, I think the offensive line is how you have to round out the rest of your roster. You can have a generational quarterback. You can have some really good pieces on the receiving end on your roster, but if you can't protect them and you can't get your run game going and you're one-dimensional offensively, there are too many smart people in the NFL that know how to uh, you know, execute and, and, and win games defensively through that. Oh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty open Cardinals fan, uh, sure. and Kyler Murray's had the same problem. Generational quarterback, they've had weapons for him. DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown. Trey McBride has been certainly a good surprise for the Cardinals this season as well, but when you can't protect him, I mean, obviously you see what happens. Now he is good at getting out of the pocket, but yeah. you still really can't do much with that when you're not getting any time in the pocket. So you're right. Offensive line leads to a whole bunch of success, especially if you have a good quarterback. Yeah, and even if a guy can use his legs, you don't want him to use those legs because he's running for his life. You want yeah. him to use to extend the play. Um, and, and Lawrence has never been a guy that you know is is running out of the pocket and making plays, but he's had to do that this year because – and he's getting pressured 2.2 seconds after the snap is taken. So, um, yeah, that you know that that'd be my my go-to. Got to start on the offensive line, and you get some weapons there throughout. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look back at the SEC football season and ask some questions around the table. We'll be right back. Who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Life is more fun with a Good Life checking account offering extra benefits including bank travel. Join us for a trip to Mackinac Island for a stay at the beautiful Grand Hotel. Travel with us to Southern Utah to witness the enormous, colorful, and unusual rock formations. Or join us on one of our many day trips. We're always on the go. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 
707-4282 or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Matlock Tire and Auto Service, proudly serving East Tennessee since 1953. At Matlock, they provide hometown service you can trust. Whether you need a great deal on a new set of quality tires, or you're just looking for a trustworthy place to get your oil changed and tires rotated, Matlock is there for you with five locations across East Tennessee. Find your nearest location and schedule your service online today at matlocktireservice.com. Support those who support Fan Run. Support Matlock Tire Service and Auto. All right, and welcome back to overtime on this Monday night. Just a couple minutes away from the national championship game between Michigan and Washington and Houston. Going to be a great game, and we'll, um, I guess, be on here for a little bit right before the show, but have time to get back and watch it. But I want to take a little bit of a look back of the SEC football season because some people thought this year was a a down year for the SEC, uh, at least at the beginning of the year. Um, Obviously, we're still able to put a team into the playoff uh, in Alabama, even though they didn't win, it was still a, a really good performance, nonetheless. And even if Michigan wins tonight, uh, you know they're probably going to play Michigan closer than anyone yeah. will this season. But um, kind of going back into our preconceived notions going into the year, um, I've got a couple questions here. We'll just run down around the table, and we'll start off with which team exceeded expectations. And I think we might all have a common one on this one. Yep. Dawson, we'll begin with you. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, right? It's Missouri. Yeah, uh, they they got double digit wins. You get the win in the Fiesta Bowl. A I won't say dominant win. It was a low scoring game. They had to score a couple late touchdowns, but certainly they looked very good in that game. You you found a star in Cody Schrader. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. found a guy. You want to talk diamond in the rough kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, he comes in. He makes an instant impact. He tears teams up all year. He tore up Tennessee's yeah, defense. Yeah, what, like 300 yards 300 against 300-plus yards mm-hmm. and a few scores in that game. So you found a star in him. You've got guys all over the field that have propelled their draft stock. Luther Burden was outstanding for them. Uh, Brady Cook was outstanding for them all year. He, he was very good in that role. And all of a sudden, man, Eli Drinkwitz, he's got a good recruiting class coming in there yep. too. Mm-hmm. A couple of high-name recruits. Uh, Williams Enwineri is coming into Missouri next year. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you've got all kinds of momentum after, uh, after a really great season. For sure. Yeah, right after, you know, SEC East has pretty much gone away. Those divisions, I guess you'd call them, uh, falling down. You know, Missouri's sitting in a really good spot. Um, you know, with Drinkwitz, what he had, you know, coming in, I mean, picked second to last in the SEC by the preseason polls, exceeded all of those expectations. It feels like, I mean, he really didn't have that many opt-outs either in that bowl game. No. So it feels like that locker room really is vibing with him pretty good and meshing really well with each other. So, I mean, I think there really should be still considered a very viable playoff threat this upcoming season, too. Yeah, and it's and Missouri for me as well. And I think their offense was so multidimensional this year that mm. it was something we really haven't seen from Missouri yet with Eli Drinkwitz because we've seen him so many times coming to Knoxville and get you know beat out of the building Thumped. by you know forty points or something. And this year, I mean, they got it done in the run game with a guy in Cody Schrader who you know was playing for you know Panera Bread Tech down the road and comes in and is automatically a huge impact. You know, finished top ten in the Heisman. Um, he was a huge star, and in the passing game with Brady Cook, a guy who had a okay season last year, 
comes in this year and is slinging it all over the place. Now, granted, he had some really good receivers around him, and you know Luther Burden is going to be a star on Sunday soon. But to me, I'm more worried about next year's team because they return a lot of pieces. Now, Schrader's gone, but they return Cook. They return Burden. They've got some good players on this team that are going to come back and, and very well could be in the same spot. Um, at times, I was a little bit questioning their defense, but I thought their defense over the course of the season got better, and especially that front, uh, that defensive front for them uh, turned into a really big force and, you know, turned, turned to be a big force against Tennessee as well. And you talk about that Ohio State game, it was ugly. That's a good team they played against, a, a team that had a lot of defense still available playing in that game. Granted, they had a, a mess at quarterback. They were still able to get a win and, and find a way to win, and Coming from being, you know, picked to finish second in the SEC to going to winning a Cotton Bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl, I think that by far exceeded everyone's expectations. So now the other side of that, which team was the most underwhelming? Dawson? I'm going to take Beamer in South Carolina. Okay. Uh, It's a team that to end last year, they, you know, you lose your bowl game, but you come off back to back wins, huge statement wins. I mean, you beat Tennessee, keep them out of the playoff. You beat Clemson, you keep them out of the playoff. So all of a sudden, you got two huge wins. You're coming into the season, and all of a sudden, everybody's expecting you to win seven, eight, nine, ten games potentially with the roster that you have. You have Spencer Rattler back, you have your weapons back, Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett. You have a lot of those pieces back that you wanted back from those wins, and man, they just they fell flat in multiple games, including their trip to Neyland Stadium, yeah. where you thought they were going to compete probably more than they did. They did not, and no. that became the story of their season. Uh, they, I mean, they have key prospects coming in next year, but to decline in year three of a coach's career, that's not a good sign. No. Yeah. Uh, I do have a chance to diss my brother. He, he plays at this school, Arkansas. I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to rag on Florida for a bit. They were, you know, not great. Biggest one of the year, of course, was against us. Man, that was very disappointing, you know, from a fan perspective for us. I mean, we're expected to go down there and it's supposed to be an off year for Florida, which it was, and we still let the swamp get to us. And I mean, but really, there wasn't much else in that plate of work that they have that set them apart from anything. I mean, Billy with Billy Napier with that amount of talent and money down there really should never miss a bowl season at all. And now he's done it two straight years. So I mean, there's a chance we see three and out from Billy Napier. Yeah, to me, Dawson, I'm with you. It's South Carolina. They were a team that I was very high on coming into the year. Um, because they return Spencer Rattler, they return a couple of those key pieces in the wider scene, you know, like Leggett and Juice Wells. Those guys were playmakers last year for them. And defensively, I thought they returned one of the better secondaries in college football, not just the SEC, college football. And their offensive line in that uh, North Carolina game, where they got completely just gashed, I was like, okay, this is might be a problem for them going forward. And it ended up being a problem the whole season long. Their offensive line was terrible, and you know we were talking that last you know a couple segments ago. Oh, I'm so no, sorry. Good. Talking a couple segments ago, um, you know about how important the offensive line is for Nico and how bad it was for Trevor Lawrence. It was terrible for Spencer Rattler, and that team was never able to find any momentum because any momentum was just taken away by the rush defense against any other team. So uh, to me, Beamer coming off such a big season last year, you beat Tennessee and Clemson, which were two of the top teams in the country. And, you know, you might not win your bowl game, but you were really competitive in it. And you come into this year with a lot of expectations, and you fall flat on your face. I thought it was a really disappointing season for them. 
And, uh, you know, I know they're not going to fire Beamer this year, but this is a hot seat year for them. Right. You know, this very well could be coming up uh, as a head coaching spot for some people looking to find a job because I, I don't know if that kind of season can be uh, allowed once again for the Gamecocks. No, I mean, it can't. And you, you always hear your biggest improvements are, are years two, three, and four for a coach yeah. that's going to be there for a long time. Uh, year two, huge improvement. All of a sudden your expectations are up. Then to have a year three like that, it's a nightmare scenario. All of a sudden now your expectations are down again. You have a good class coming in, but not a great one, I mm-hmm. would say. And now Spencer Rattler, he's gone, and you're going to have to transfer quarterbacks as well. All of a sudden, it's not looking very good anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, one team that really hadn't been brought up was LSU this year. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's you a good know, one team too. that yeah. was brought up could be borderline SEC West champs playing for a, a playoff spot. Really didn't come up anywhere close. I mean, of course you have Heisman winner Jaden Daniels just tearing it up all year. Very well-deserved Heisman at that. But that defense, man, yeah. just took a drop off that I don't think many people were expecting. No, and the weird thing about it was, you know, Harold Perkins was, you know, one of the best defenders in, in college football, but I thought they misused him. And it, it was really weird that a team of the caliber of LSU would misuse a player of – uh, 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 like that, like you know, a top guy and misuse him, and they were putting him way too many times in pass coverage, taking him away from what made made him so good, and that's rushing the passer, yeah. you know, getting in the backfield, putting him in pass defense is something like the Eagles are doing right now under Matt Patricia, putting rush guys in 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 pass coverage. I didn't understand that, but the reason why they had to was of how bad that secondary was. Yeah. And, you know, we know LSU for being DBU or yeah. being – it's like, would you ever even think of that happening no, at LSU? No, and they had, you know, transfers coming in and having to play for them, and they weren't good either. So, uh, LSU, that's a great point you make. I, I really didn't even think about it because I was just so dead set on, on South Carolina. <laughs> but LSU's a good one too. They, they were very underwhelming as well, especially returning Jaden Daniels and, um, you know, looking to bounce back after last year. Um, so now we'll do who carries the most momentum – Heading into the next season with bull season wrapped up. This one feels like another obvious one, right? Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. It's got to be Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin has done an excellent job at Ole Miss already. He wins double-digit games this year. They win a New Year's Six Bowl. And all of a sudden, you have got a massive transfer portal class coming in. I mean, by far has used the portal to the best of anybody's abilities to this point. Walter Nolan and, and the other A&M lineman, his name slips my mind, but among others that are coming in, and you're returning a lot of offensive weapons as well. So you're you're returning a class that could very easily get you into the playoffs next year, especially as it expands to 12. The divisions mm-hmm. are gone in the SEC. You're rotating your opponents as well, um, and they have a very good shot at, at, at making a, a playoff run, even without Quinshawn Judkins, who leaves in the portal. They still have guys that they can say, next man up, we're still just as good. We're going to go make a run for the playoff. I'm going to take a little alternative route to Ole Miss. I'm going to go SEC East, Georgia. I mean, you know, I think the committee did make the right decision leaving them out this this year because, of course, you lose a late game. It's kind of like the Ohio Ohio State scenario, you know, undefeated up till that point. You drop it, you're out. Things like that happen. Uh, Again, happen the same way that Ohio State. I think it's the most talented group coming into this upcoming year. After, of course, Ole Miss diving deep into the portal, getting just about every top name that you can think of, I think they're hungrier now, especially since they just whopped Florida State in that bowl game. I mean, that was just ugly. Florida State should not have been in that ball game. So, I mean, I I think they're going to be hungrier this upcoming year, and that's kind of scary. 
And Dawson, I promise I'm not copying you. But I'm going with Ole Miss again. <laughs> We've got the same three for all three of these. But um, to me, it's Ole Miss. I think they return a majority of their offensive production. They absolutely killed it in the portal with what their weak link was this season, and that was defense. You know, in that Georgia game, their defense was not able to hold their own and stop Georgia. Uh, because, look, Lane Kiffin, as an offensive guy, will always have his team offensively sound. But the problem during his time at, ten, uh, at Ole Miss so far has been he can't get that top-tier defense and can't get the defensive players that can make those plays. Now you add a Walter Nolan, Tyler Barron, who may or may not be staying. Uh, we just saw Tamarion McDonald has officially gone to Louisville now. So loses him, but still uh, brings in Chris Paul from Arkansas. Uh, he's a really good linebacker. And uh, Prince Lee Manlian from Florida, who I think is their biggest get. Now, I know Walter Nolan is going to make the headlines, but Prince Lee Manlian, to me, is their biggest get because he's a baller and he's a really good guy coming off the edge. And if they have both, if they are able to keep Barron and have both those guys coming off the edge, that's a really uh, tough defense to stop. I mean, that front line, Barron, uh, Nolan, Umanlian, that's that's tough. Um, so to me, even despite losing Judkins, I think Ole Miss comes in with the most momentum with everything they return, how they did in the portal. Now the question is, can Lane Kiffin win the big games? Lane Kiffin has got a great offense. He's done well at Ole Miss. Has kind of rejuvenated, uh, rejuvenized that program after all that mess that Matt Luke and uh, you know Hugh Freeze left him. Mm-hmm. They're back. They're a competent team now. But every time he plays a big game, he loses the second half adjustments battle against Alabama. It was a close game. Saban comes out, makes those second half adjustments that you know Kiffin could not match. Um, in that Georgia game. Now, while it was kind of trending towards a blowout towards in that first half, Georgia blew it out of the water in that second half because they made those adjustments. So, to me, the key is for Ole Miss going forward, Kiffin has got to win the coaching matchup, which he can beat the inferior ones. But when it comes to the big, you know, the big coaches that you've got to beat here in this SEC conference, um, you know, you've got to be able to have a coach that can make those adjustments. And so far, his track record isn't great on that. And, uh, we talked about Quinshawn Judkins, and I kind of want to bridge over to this. Now, uh, Quinshawn Judkins announced last week in a shocking fashion that he's leaving Ole Miss. And I think this brings up a problem with the transfer portal. Because the transfer portal is supposed to be an opportunity for players to find a better playing situation, mm. right? Uh, Michael Penix goes from Indiana that doesn't have that dynamic on offense, not really competing for anything, goes to Washington. Now look where he is, right? Um, Bo Nix, a guy that was struggling at Auburn, lost his head coach, goes to Oregon. Look where he was this year, right? Um, Jaden Daniels, another example. You know, list goes on and on. The portal's meant to find a better playing situation. But with the transfer portal and NIL being ungoverned and having no rules, it's basically a free-for-all. Guys are entering the portal just because they know they can make more money. That's not what college football is all about. College football is not about a bidding war for players. I'm all for players being able to have the opportunity to be paid. I totally get it. They should be paid. You know, with all these TV deals that have come in, all these money, all this money the conferences are making, they deserve to be paid. But allowing these guys to hit the portal and just, you know, allow a bidding war for these guys, who's going to put up the biggest number? I think it totally takes away what college football is for. And Quinshawn Judkins, a guy that is on a top team going into next season, an offense that returns everyone, a transfer portal loaded defense, what's the point in leaving? Like from a football perspective, what's the point? 
you know that there's something underlying, and that's the money. And that's not what college football is about. And I think until they put rules and regulations in place, this is going to continue on. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, and you kind of touched on it, is the worst part of it's going to be you're going to have players that are going to be impact guys. I mean, Quinshawn Junkins was going to be a huge piece for that Ole Miss team next year. Now leaving a team that has playoff aspirations just you know, to go into a bidding war, it's going to hurt those teams that have playoff aspirations. I mean, you're not going to have all these teams that, that you know don't necessarily, and I'm not saying Ole Miss doesn't have the money to keep Quinchon Judkins, but maybe the teams that can't afford the bidding war, all of a sudden they go from a winning situation to maybe they're 8-4, and four, maybe they're 9-3, and three, maybe they miss the playoff now because a guy wants to go get a little bit more of a payday. And, and for Judkins, yeah, he wants the payday, but – you're not maybe not going to be in this as good a system now. You're not going to be the number one guy necessarily if you if you're going somewhere else. So I think that's the biggest two things about it for me that that really that's a bad sign for the portal. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's it's like playtime really doesn't matter. Like you said, that that payday is going to be big. And I mean, this is a guy like I'm not sure if it's countrywide or just SEC wide. I mean, he's the, I'll just say SEC for this. He's the first SEC back to have like 15 or more touchdowns accounted for since Herschel Walker. 40 years, he's the only person to do that back-to-back years. And you're leaving that situation for, you know, maybe a couple couple extra hundred grand. I mean, this is a team with all those portal entries and the guys that they're bringing back, like y'all have been hitting on, has a chance to really make a playoff run next year and go deep. Maybe could be a national title legitimate contender. I mean, what else could you want from, like, college in college sports, you want to win the national title. That's the reason you go to schools. It puts you in the best situation for you and for your team to go out, compete, and win. And, I mean, him leaving Ole Miss at this point in time, especially this late in the portal season, is just kind of blasphemous. Yeah, and you talk about his numbers. You know, he's rushed for 2,723 yards and 34 touchdowns in two seasons. Yeah. You know, the amount of production he is getting is probably not going to be – enlarged anywhere else he goes and you know we talked about it at the break that was Kiffin's guy Kiffin took a chance on him because he was you know under recruited from Pike Road Alabama very small school and you know that that surf that that picture of Kiffin at his high school game surfaced all over the place that's a guy taking a chance on you and investing in you and you're going to leave him because you want to go make more money a little bit more money than you're already making It, it just totally gashes what college football is all about to me um, and once uh, once again, I totally am for players being able to get paid. But until there are rules and regulations in place, we're going to see this across the country and for years to come. Another example is Dumas Johnson from uh, Georgia, who was their leading tackler mm. this year, a starter. And he enters the portal as a senior for no reason. You know, if you're going to come back or, you know, you can either go to the NFL or come back, decides to enter the portal. He was their starter and leading tackler. It's not like he was not getting play on playing time. Um, ends up going to Kentucky. Um, so, uh, to me, I just I don't understand why there have not been any rules or regulations put in place yet. And I, I think we'll continue to see this pattern. Um, and, and Tyler Barron, you know, a guy that's now maybe looking at going to Louisville. Mm. You know, are they what are they offering more money than than Ole Misses? And then you kind of create this like poaching too. Like, well, hey, if you come here, we'll give you a little bit more than what you already got. And it just it totally just galvanizes everything that makes college football college football. Yeah. I want I really wonder if like these NFL guys are looking at how much these guys are bouncing around now cuz I mean this thing hasn't been as big of a problem before NIL. 
it what transfer portal was not that big of a problem. Most of those guys were legitimately going to where a situation was better for them. Now, like like just money, I don't know. It it feels like it. The, most of these players that are doing that are really coming off as just selfish, and I'm I'm not sure how you know NFL scouts are really going to take that into account or not. But I think it could be something to evaluate down the line, and that might be something somebody gets an extra job out of. Well, you also got to think, you know, in any part in life, like if you're working for someone, or we'll just use the NFL as an example, you get drafted to, um, let's say you get drafted to the Bears, right, and you don't necessarily want to play for the Bears. You know, there's no transfer portal. There's no NIL deal there. You're locked into a contract. So there's it's it's treating and, and, and kind of telling players that, at the college level at least, it's okay to get up and leave for more money. It's okay to, you know, kind of have a job and look around for more. But in, in the reality in life, it's not really how that works. Um, it's not like, you know, obviously, uh, if you're a good player or good at your job, you know, other people will say, hey, come here, we'll give you a, a bonus. But um, a lot of these players are not going to have that opportunity if they get to the next level. So I think it also just creates a uh, just a, a, a misconceived notion of what life is like outside of, of football and sports. Well, I think you might also start to see it when they go from college to pro. I mean, look at Caleb Williams yeah. and all the stuff he said over his final year at USC saying there are certain teams I do not want to play for and that I will go back to school if I get drafted by them. They're kind of treating it as if they can choose where they want to play yeah. after all, after this transfer portal stuff. And I'm not saying that's why he said that, but I think you could start to see that. Yeah. The more that the more that this stuff happens is, well, they're willing to maybe offer me a better situation, or I don't want to play there. I want to go play there, and guys are going to start to pick and choose. And that's just – it's not how it works. It will never be how it works. Yeah, I think – I mean, in a sense, it's almost entitlement. Like, hey, I'm Caleb Williams, or hey, I'm uh, this and that. I want to play where I want to play, and I'm not going to come play for you because I don't want to. You know, I'm going to. Uh, it's up to me. It's my decision, right? And that, that's just such a bad narrative. But we see it a lot of times in the NBA draft too, um, where guys will not give their medical records or not come practice for a team because they don't want to play there. Telling them they don't want to be drafted there just creates a terrible culture. It's just unprofessional and not what sports are about. Yeah. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying the transfer portal NIL are direct reflections of that. But when you have this stuff going on where it almost kind of seems like they're the guy in charge and um, they want to pick up and leave, they can. They want to go make more money, they can. They can you know, they can almost do whatever they want. It's fine, but there have got to be rules and regulations in place. And I think you start uh, by putting salary caps in place. If these guys want to be treated like professional athletes, there needs to be a salary cap involved. Mm. Outside of baseball, name another big league that doesn't have a salary cap involved. You imagine the NBA – if uh, there was no salary cap, the Warriors would have had, you know, every Hall of Fame player in the league playing yeah. for them um, when, you know, Kevin Durant joined. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't work like that. So you've got to get a salary cap in place, and you can do it by conference if you want so that everyone's on the same level playing field. Um, or, or you can do it for the Power 5 team so that everyone's on the same playing field. There's so many different ways you could go about it. But I think a salary cap is the first thing you've got to do. And then for the transfer portal, there's got to be a penalty for entering for a third or fourth time. Um, because, look, I get if like a coach leaves or you get beat out, you want to transfer away, find a better situation. Totally get that. But if you transfer for the third time in the same amount of years, maybe the problem's you, not not where you are. Maybe you're the problem. And I think these kids don't want to realize that. And, um, you know, not to get on my soapbox here, but, you know, I, I think there are alternatives that you can look at to try and fix this thing in college football. 
All right, when we come back, we'll give our predictions for the college football playoff championship tonight on uh, ESPN between Washington and Michigan. We'll be right back here on Overtime. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com Get the best for your team delivered right and on time So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today Are you ready to show off that confident radiant smile you've always dreamed of? Well, here at Knoxville Smiles we're ready to turn your dream into a reality. At Knoxville Smiles we're more than just a dental practice We're your partners in achieving optimum oral health From routine cleanings and checkups to advanced cosmetics and restorative procedures, we offer a wide range of services in an environment that makes every visit a positive and comfortable experience. At Knoxville Smiles, it's about more than just treatments. We're focused on creating a welcoming environment where you feel like family. Our state-of-the-art facilities are designed with your comfort in mind, and our friendly staff is always ready to address your questions and concerns. Don't wait any longer to achieve a beautiful smile you deserve. Schedule your appointment at Knoxville Smiles today and take that first step towards a healthier, happier you. Call us at 865-539-1776 to book your appointment today or just visit our website at KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway, give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. All right, and final segment of hour number two here on Overtime. Uh, the first edition of Overtime with this new crew. Been a great show. Thank you so much for sticking around if you have throughout the show. And uh, tonight, and it's about to kick off, even though it's supposed to kick off at 7.30. We're about 20 minutes in, and they're actually about to kick off. Um, after all the pregame festivities, it's the 
College Bowl Playoff Championship between Michigan and Washington, and we gave out our best bets earlier. So if you're with us earlier, you kind of already know what we think about the game. But now we'll give our official predictions, and I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I've got Michigan winning. Obviously, I had the Michigan minus five for my best bet of the night, and I think it's just too much uh, defense for Washington to be able to handle. That front did so well against Texas, but Texas was really not that good of a defense. Um, And even though – They had some good numbers throughout the year defensively. Uh, They were never a defensive-centric team, um, and that was really shown in that Washington game where Washington just diced them up. And I don't see Michigan allowing that. They haven't allowed it all year. They've been dominant in every game no matter who they're playing, Um, whether it be Bowling Green or Rutgers or Penn State or Ohio State or even in that uh, Rose Bowl game, that college football playoff semifinal game against Alabama. Their defense has been dominant throughout the year, and I see that continuing tonight. Um, I know it's cliche, but defense wins championships, and uh, I I think it's the same tonight. Michael Penix and Washington has been a great story, but I think Michigan's defense is too much and gets the job done for them. Well, for the first time tonight, I'm going to go against you here. Okay. Uh, I am so high on Michael Penix. I have been all year watching him play. And after that Texas game, he's the kind of guy that can take a game over. If you give him the stage, he can take the game over. I think he does so tonight, maybe not to the same level that he did against Texas. I think you have to hit a couple of the big plays. I think they do. Uh, score maybe a couple long touchdowns, put some pressure on Michigan's offense to answer and score, uh, and, and Michigan just can't keep up with that. They don't have an offense that's built for that. All Washington has to do is be able to limit McCarthy and Corum just a little bit. Uh, you get a few stops if you're the Washington defense. I think you can start to control the pace of the game um, and dictate the game. I said first to 30 wins. I think Washington gets there. I got Washington 31-24. All right. 31-24. I think, okay, Washington lowest points they've scored all year in a game was 15, and that was against Arizona State of all teams. I think Michigan is very much capable of, of holding the Huskies to less than that. And I think Harbaugh claims his first title as head coach. I've got the Wolverines winning 27-13. 40 flat. All right. So we got two Michigans and a Washington here. So let's hope it doesn't go – let's hope your under hits, though. Let's hope it stays under that – that 55 mark. I put it right there at 55, so okay. it stays under so, 55 oh, and a half. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I wanted to keep it under that. At least. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, you bring up Harbaugh now, and we can dive a little bit more into this tomorrow, and really either outcome, uh, we could still talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, if he wins tonight, if he loses, regardless, there are a lot of names calling for him into the NFL. A lot of, uh, you know, teams that have fired coaches today. We saw Arthur Smith get fired from the Falcons. I obviously know that uh, Brandon Staley was let go with the Chargers. Um, Ron Rivera gone from the Commanders. We'll talk more NFL in, in this tomorrow, but just briefly before we head out here, uh, if if Washington, excuse me, if Michigan wins tonight, do you think Harbaugh stays? We'll start with that. I don't know. I think maybe he should if they win tonight, uh, just because of the situation he's got there, the players he's got there especially. He's got a ton of talent on that roster. Uh, It's a great situation if he wants to continue to win games and maybe not make the jump to the NFL. Uh, But we know he can do it at the NFL level. We've seen him do it at the NFL level. He he took that Niners team to all the way to the Super Bowl. He had playoff teams year in, year out in, in San Francisco. So he can do it. I just does he want to go rebuild another team or does he want to stay with success in Michigan and try to maybe potentially start a dynasty there? I don't know if that will be the case, but if they were to win tonight, I mean, you could at least make the argument. Come back and try for another one and see where that goes. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the best move 
if they win tonight, definitely stay in Ann Arbor. I don't think, like you said, that situation is just perfect for him. He's got such good classes rolling in year in and year out. He's in a national title game and has a really nice chance of winning it. And, you know, do you really want to leave that to really, like you said, restart? And as I'm watching here, Michigan – just scored the first touchdown of the game. Oh wow! Uh, so <laughs> not yeah. good for Dawson's not, under. No, Ed, Edwards <laughs> long touchdown right there. I think best case scenario they win. He should stay, but I think if he does leave, I don't really see him leaving California. I think I think he'll stay with the Chargers. Got it. All right. So quick score update: Michigan seven nothing early on Washington. Donovan Edwards runs it in for a long touchdown. Um, to answer the question for me, um, I think. There is a good chance he leaves if he wins tonight. Because what's the greatest achievement in college football? That's winning a championship. And I think he's achieved everything he wanted to at his alma mater if he wins tonight. His goal was to bring back a championship. Very similar to LeBron, you know, when he went to Cleveland. Now, he didn't leave the, the, the prior season, but it was to win a championship there. That was his goal. Now he can move on to the next. For me, with everything that is going on with the NCAA investigations and violations, all the noise, Harbaugh's probably tired of it by this point. And if he's able to win this season, he can look back and say, I did what I said I would, I came here, I rebuilt Michigan, I won a championship, and I leave on a high note. And we've already seen him have success at the NFL level, but we haven't had him seen the success that he's, uh, you know, he hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. And that's the highest achievement at the NFL level. So... In a sense, you've got your college football achievement done. Might be time to move on to the to the NFL level. And I think um, there are a couple of really uh, viable options out there for him, and in particular Los Angeles Chargers, where they're kind of in a win-now situation. You don't have to go there and rebuild. You don't have to you know go to Washington and, and battle through Sam Howell and another quarterback to see what they can do. You've got Justin Herbert, who's a generational guy there already. Um, so I, I think – if they were to win tonight, I would not be surprised if he were to leave. Now, obviously, if he loses tonight, that brings up another scenario. Does he just say, all right, I've had enough of it, I'm leaving? Or does he still quest for that, that championship ring? Real quick, guys, what do you think? I don't know. If you lose, you always, I mean, like you said, you want to come back and try to win that crowning achievement. So I think it's more likely if he loses, he stays. I think it's more likely if he wins, he probably jumps to the NFL, uh, especially hinging on that investigation. We we don't know the results of that yet. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see here in the, in the coming weeks what, what they decide to do. Um, but if he were to lose, I think it'd be even more of a reason for him to stay because he still wouldn't have that crowning achievement yet. He's like I said, it's a perfect situation for him to continue to win year in year out, and I think he could do so next year, especially in a bigger playoff. So I think it would be even more reason for him to stay. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, th- I think you're, y'all are hitting it right on the head. I mean, again, if you lose, you still really have to prove yourself. But I mean, if you win, is there really a better feeling than going out on top? No, not at all. And guys, that's going to wrap us up here on overtime on this Monday night. For William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the NFL playoffs and much more on Overtime. Thank you so much for joining me. Signing out.